1: city. It's the Todd Berry Podcast.
0: The Todd Berry
2: Podcast. Hey, welcome to episode two of the Todd Berry Podcast. Some nice reviews from the first episodes, although some people did mention sound issues and they were probably right. I just uh, record this in my kitchen and I had a few of the settings, not where they should probably be, but I think we fixed that. But I did record several episodes with the less than optimal sound settings. I probably shouldn't even mention this because now you're going to be listening for it instead of the quality of the content of the actual podcast. Today's episode features Jim and Jeannie Gaffigan, both Gaffigans. Well, actually, there's a lot of Gaffigans. He's got a lot of kids, but uh, two of them. And it's good talk. And Jim's got a new book called Dad is Fat, which comes out May 7th. So have a listen. Hey, everyone. This is uh, Todd Barry, the Todd Barry Podcast. I think that's what we're calling it. Um, We have two guests. We have Jim Gaffigan and his wife, Jeannie Gaffigan. Who uh, crashed. Who crashed the party, to be fair. But she got me to... Buy some wine, which I will write off my taxes (laughs) if I save the receipt. Do you, Jim? Yes, sir. Do you ever drink before you go on stage?
3: I never drink before I go on stage. Yeah, Yeah.
2: I can't. I mean, I don't drink a lot to begin with, but I feel like uh, I've done shows where just having like half a glass of wine and I feel like it screws up my show. Yeah, Yeah, there's... Or I'm like tongue-tied. Yeah, the timing seems a little... Yeah, like I can... Riff, or if it's just like a ten minute guest spot somewhere, but
3: but there is something also with fatigue, you know being so tired, and sometimes you have a great set because you're so tired, like say, yeah, you know you were stuck out an airport, and you had to you know you didn't get your nap, you know, and then you're so tired, so you're a little bit punch struck anyway,
0: you know, yeah, any- or
2: you
3: get in that zone, like I've done that yeah. where you where you're
2: sick and you end up doing that, yeah. or your plane is your plane is so late, it lands where you have to literally run on stage. Yeah. And you're just so. Uh, but uh, how long have I known you? Like twenty? It's got to be twenty years, right? Jeez, I think so. I say that with everyone who I've known for a while. It's twenty years, right? No, it's yeah, it's, it's twenty, like, right? It's a yeah, it's it's old man time. Holy, it's, it's all old over man for time. us, man. It's, it's all over for me, man. Yeah, it's old man. time. But I have a, a very distinct memory. I don't know if you remember this of running into you at Grand Central Station when we were both going to Connecticut to do like guest spots at clubs. Wow. For those who don't know, what guest spot is it. it's when you work for free at a club, so they'll look at you, and uh, maybe give you work. But I remember you had a, you had a whole loaf of bread from that. Yes.
3: Does that sound like a good sto- like a real story? That sounds like a real story. But the, you know, I'm surprised that you were going out there to do a guest set because I always describe um, my experience in starting stand up in New York. That the generation above me that has been doing stand up longer. Is uh, is you and Louie and Kevin Brennan and Nattel and Marin and stuff like that. So there were no spots in New York City. So me and Geraldo had to go to Long Island or Connecticut to do these spots. No, I did that. I you know how long? Wait, how long have you been doing it? I don't know, 120 years. Oh, do you not really know how long? No, it? I think I started in 1990, like in maybe 90 or 91. I used to know. I used to know. I've only really? been doing it two years. Oh, my God. You were doing very well. Um, now, back then, yeah, 20, yeah, I would still,
2: I would definitely do that. Yeah. I always think that's, like, I always admired, when I talk to people about you, I go, when I see someone who's late, I go, Jim Gaffin goes, he'll go on anywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. to work out stuff. Like, yeah. Like, a little open mic. Like, in these, because you meet people who are like, oh, I want to work this type of room, I want to work this type of room.
3: Yeah. You'll go well, on anywhere. Yes. Well, it's not anywhere. I know, it's, not anywhere. But, but it's 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 about... But um, it's anywhere. Yeah. yeah. But it's about if there's an audience. Right. Like I remember don't... we were with Rory at, at the... At,
1: the YMCA at, or something? No,
3: at... Um, uh, what's it called? Comics. And he more or less said, he goes, you'll go on anywhere. You want to go on here? And I'm like, no, I don't want to go on here. <laughs> but... If, you know, like, the status rooms, like, I don't, I really don't, like, for me, it's just about if there's an audience that is, um, you know, I prefer an alternative audience or underground or whatever you call it, but I don't like doing shows after 11 o'clock at night, and I don't like... um, but whether the status of the room is of more importance, whether it's the cellar, which is a, the best club in the country, I don't care to deal with that. I'd rather do, you know, Gladys's or Eastville or, or you know, Gotham. You know, I'm not concerned with the hierarchy. I'm concerned about the audience.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think because you can, if you're working something out, all you need is
3: eight people sitting there. You know, exactly. Or less.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I,
3: yeah. And if they speak English. That's better.
2: If four you know. of them out of the eight <laughs> speak English. Yeah, that's
3: the best. Um,
1: I just want to go back to the loaf of bread that you yeah. okay, yeah. to. The uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people might be intrigued by. Yeah, all right. Well, here's, we just kind of rushed off you have the I didn't know there's if there more follow-up
2: questions about you're bread. From, you're from, bread. You're
1: from
3: Florida, just yeah. in case
1: there was. I no, mean, no. I'm
3: from Indiana. Like, there's something about Grand Central where.
1: No,
3: or Penn Station. Where there's the Zaboros or not Zabarro's. I was um, trying to remember Zoros, the name. York- Zorro's Azaros. Like I think there's that was these, the bakery, yeah. These New York bakeries yeah. where you can get a loaf of bread for a nickel. And I'm yeah. like, I'll get a loaf yeah. of bread for a nickel. No, I wasn't saying it was it. fresh, warm bread and I'm I'm a carboholic. <laughs> I enjoy bread too. Yes. That was
2: not at all saying you should be eating bread. Okay. Um that would have been weird if that was my insult.
1: But somehow Jim had a loaf of bread. I, yeah. You
2: know, that's Are you upset by that?
1: No, I'm intrigued that he was walking around with a loaf of bread. Was it on the way? Th-
2: yeah, it was on his yeah. way. He was, he was loading up. It was, I remember he was, he was a marathon. I remember, t- it was the treehouse
3: that we were going to? I, I think I was going to the treehouse. I was going to the treehouse. Maybe we're going sure. to different treehouse locations. Maybe. But the treehouse, I remember I would take uh, Metro North up there. Yeah. And sometimes, one time I fell asleep. Because I was... You know, doing, I was working in advertising, then I would attempt to do stand up at night. And I would do it every night. But sometimes I would take a train out there. And, um, sometimes, one one time I fell asleep on Metro North and just, like, you know, ended up somewhere in, like, an upstate Connecticut. (laughs) It's a great story.
1: Was there yeah. bread there? <laughs> there? There was no bread. You're avoiding talking about bread. All right, I made
3: love to the bread that night. Yeah, I don't. I didn't think the
2: bread was. Good. I just thought. I just remember that it was such. A, it was like a whole loaf of bread, yeah. as opposed to like buying a bagel or something.
1: But did you buy the ba- did you buy the loaf of bread at the train station? <laughs> of course.
3: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I that mean, was should dinner.
1: Should be a podcast about bread.
3: That man. was a. Di- that was. Believe dinner. me, I'll talk about a anything. Bread. To kill, a loaf to kill of bread was dinner. Yeah, that was. You know, I'm a health nut. And I was like, all right, I'll have a loaf of bread. Did you you loaf. Did you do a lot of that, going out to a club, like traveling a distance to just have to go on? Yes, that's where I think Geraldo and I really developed our bond, is that we would go out to Chuckles. John Truson, who's a friend of mine, who was very mean to me at the beginning, and then ended up being nice. People used to be so much meaner in comedy. Like, don't you remember people being meaner? Like, I feel as though, as New York has, you know, there's situations when you're in... Whole Foods, where people do something stupid. And I'm like, I wish it was old New York because there'd be some old Italian lady to yell at this person. But now everyone's like, well, geez, you know, well, we're all, we're many San Francisco here. Well, so. especially at Whole Foods. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, there was, uh, you know, the, you know, these situations in stand up that were just brutal. Yeah. We used to go out there and and Truson would just give me shit. He'd be like, You're not going on and then he would but he's a nice guy, so he'd let me go on. You would just hear Geraldo's friend, huh? And I'm like, Yeah, and like, well, you know, Geraldo can go on, you can't. So like this these torturous things. Like I would travel all the way to Long Island on um, you know, Long Island Railroad and he would be like, You're not going on You know, can you imagine saying that to someone? It's just brutal. I I mean
2: yeah, I I remember a lot of these guys, these bookers who would. Uh, I remember calling one guy up. I'm not going to mention his name because he's. Yeah. But I did two. I did both. He had booked two rooms, one in Long Island, one in New Jersey. Yeah. And then I called up and he goes, I was like, yeah, I wanted to get rebooked. And find out about getting rebooked at your club. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get a good report from them. Okay. What about the other? Uh, I didn't get a good report from them either. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm eating dinner now. It was like all right. Yeah, Like, just really, just cold. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, I also think, looking back, you know, probably wasn't as good as I thought I was. Oh, of course. You know what I mean? There is a little of that.
1: And is it that people aren't mean anymore, or they're just not mean to you anymore? Like, if you were at that level now, would you be getting the exact same Yeah,
2: I mean, that's a good point. Yeah, there's there's so bookers I, mean, I know who are nice them. to probably Jim and I and then if you
3: talk to someone yeah. else, they'll be like, oh, he makes me mop the floor to go on yeah, stage. Yeah. yeah, no, there's true. I mean, power corrupts too. I mean, that's the, the that's, you know, the premise of, of a lot of that whole world of entertainment. A lot of yeah. people with authority and inadvertently end up abusing it, right? And, and a lot of times, it's yeah. the comics who book other comics yeah. are, are nice. real assholes. <laughs>
2: like I've Thank seen God. them just like you That's know the worst. Just like there was some like bringer like open mic show that I did at one of the clubs, and I just saw the guy yelling at them like they were like it was boot camp or something. It's just like hey, they just want to do comedy. They're all here. They just huh. want to do comedy.
1: Well, it's maybe some of them are
2: terrible, but don't be on a power trip because you're you're the gatekeeper. It's of,
1: the TSA mentality. That's exactly what it yeah. is. It was, it's like, I mean, you just abuse your power. Yeah. Even though you don't really have any power because you're taking all the angst out on. But
3: there is, there is also something uh, of the fact that people that go into comedy, go into stand-up in particular, are not normal. So you know, uh, and I include myself, and obviously you, Todd. But <laughs> no, there's there's a lot of crazy people. And having been someone who only did open mics before there were bringer shows, yeah, where it would just be an open mic of just people trying out stand up, there were a lot of people in there that had mental issues. That so therefore, at a bringer show, I'm not excusing rude behavior. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never been rude in my life. No, I know that, but. Um, but there, you know there's some kooky people you know like it, you know there and and I think in old new york there's a lot you know a lot more crazy people doing stand up because i think that when we started it was not a smart time to stand up to to do stand up whereas i think now it's a realistic pursuit but you think you know? it's easier now i think it's i think it's a better career choice than it was back then I think back then, you know, I'm talking about after the, the comedy boom that created Roseanne and Seinfeld and Tim Allen and yeah. all that. It, it, it came to a screeching halt where they opened all these comedy clubs. It was evening at the improv. And then they shut everything. And everyone was at the comic strip. And I was trying to do a spot. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I benefited from that
2: comedy boom. I yeah. started in 87. So, I yeah. mean, and in Florida. So you could really just just start going on stage a lot. Yeah. Right from the get-go. And playing, oh, it's bad weather here. Bad weather. Uh, playing to a, like a real audience as opposed yeah. to like a bar full of other yeah. people waiting to go on, which is just, that's good once, and then you come back the next week, and it's like, oh, well, I was going to do the same five minutes that so I did last Right. Week. And
3: you, then you guys are going to ice me out. And so when you were starting in Florida, did you make a uh, decision like, I have to go to New York because... There's going to be a, more of a creative vibe where I can do my kind of laconic kind of sarcasm. <laughs> uh, no, I, I wish I was that calculated. I was like,
2: yeah. <laughs> All right. It seems I do laconic uh, sarcasm. It's not going to fly here in Florida. It actually worked fine in Florida. But the uh, no, I'd always wanted to move. I didn't even start doing comedy till after college. It never even entered my mind to do comedy. And yeah. then I just got this little push or whatever this little but you were a musician right i was a shitty drummer and uh, still i'm a shitty drummer and uh i i knew i wanted to move back here anyway so it worked out that what i right. my new chosen career right which i wasn't able to fess up to until eight months in even though i've been doing it every day wow like i wasn't like yeah this is what i'm doing because i'd never thought about doing it so i was kind of in like oh, well, this is not what i want to do Oh, interesting. But I kept doing it. Yet I would drive to West Palm Beach, Fort Lauderdale, and just gleefully listen to my tape of what I just, the set I just did. Then, like, I don't know, maybe a year, eight months in, I was like, I guess I'm
3: doing this. It's interesting, because it's addictive, right? Yeah. 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 Um, But, so your first
2: place was New York. You started in New York? I started in New York. See, I don't know. I mean, I sort of started in New York. I mean, Uh I,
3: I think I moved here too quickly honestly. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, I think it's um, not an ideal situation to start in New York, but I I started in New York, and I was, you know, I was a total uh, coward. I didn't, you know, I didn't know that I wanted to do stand-up. I didn't know that I, you know, I worked, you know, I was from a small town, and, uh, and I live in a small town. No, and um, I didn't want to I didn't, th- I didn't know anyone in the entertainment industry. So me, uh, you know, admitting that I wanted to be a comedian is the equivalent of me going, I, I want to be an astronaut. <laughs> like, it's just absurd. Yeah. No one would say that. Or, I mean, I, and, and initially when I was doing it, I'm sure that my brothers and my friends at home were like, poor Jim, he's crazy. He wants to be a comedian. Yeah. It's just absurd.
2: So. I try to remind myself, of like the astronaut thing, whenever I'm feeling complaining about something, yeah. that's work related. You're like, "Oh, this is kind of an, an insane, lucky job to have." Oh yeah. And then I, yeah. com- then I finish complaining about the hotel mess. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so easy to lose touch. We've become so immune to like, it's what just, a, yeah. amazing blessing it is to be able to yeah. have creative fulfillment. In I know. Your life. Oh,
3: it's unbelievable, and you know, it's interesting. I have a theory that stand-up is the art form that, that ruins creative people in some ways. Because I think that stand-up is so – you know have so much control up there, ironically, because people think you have no control. But you have the microphone. You're yeah. the only one with the microphone. Right. And the spotlight is on you. And these people are facing you. So you have that control. You can come up with material whenever you want. You're not reliant on anyone else showing up except for an audience. And you can adjust. You can go off script. Whereas, so when we go into other creative pursuits, whether it be writing or acting, it feels very restrictive. So, therefore, the comedians are kind of, you know, I mean, I love acting. I really do. But the process of getting an acting job is so humiliating to me. But uh, so when people say, oh, you, I, you do stand up, I can never do that. I look at like, it's like you write screenplays you you write for 20 years and one of them gets made it's like that to me uh, how do you do that yeah I am
2: um, so you love acting I, I have I mixed feelings acting. like I I always feel like acting but going back to your point about how it's different it's like I always feel like stand up I sleep as late as I want and yeah. no one tells me what to say yeah acting is the opposite wake up early and have someone tell you what to say and just I do find, I mean, I, I'm glad, like, I'm glad I've done the things I've done. And it's always fun sort of looking at it. And I like the craft service. Yeah. I like if they fly me somewhere. Yeah. They provide a nice car service. <laughs> but the whole, like, the whole, like, doing a million takes and, like, not having a control, like, someone else. T- and someone else. Adding yeah. It. Yeah, so yeah we need to do it again. yeah.
1: Out Jim, as having that exact same attitude towards it. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 He has the, totally. exact, I mean, it's like, it's great to get something, but behind the scenes it's uh, such a vastly different experience than being your own director, producer, you know, your own editing, your right. own special. You know, working you know. on your own stuff, having, I mean, can you imagine someone stopping you in the middle of your act and just saying, you know, could you try that again, but this time you don't care as much. Right,
2: and, yeah. and not in knowing why you're being, they never
3: tell you why you're um, doing it again. That being, yes, and that's why, you know, it sounds like this kind of you know, ridiculously cool guy thing. That's why I never want to watch anything that I'm in. It's nothing. It's just like, I don't, you know, you know, I'm not going to, I don't know what takes they used or if they, if they, you know, cause they, their priority. What I love about acting is that the scene is more important than anything. And I, and I love servicing a scene. I know that sounds like bullshit, but I like the situation being funny, but you know, looking at a finished product, I've never watched myself in something, whether it's, you know, uh, Portlandia, which I loved. So or you literally never watched, not even I, watched? No, but but I'm getting to a point. Oh, like okay. I watched myself uh, in a Portlandia thing at like the premiere. And it's just, I just feel, you know, I feel icky. You know, some of it is, you know, it's probably my self-esteem too. But there's also something like, ah, oh, they didn't use that joke. Like I'm always kind of. Uh, they didn't use that joke. Oh, they didn't use that. And, you know, it's like I'm happy. I'm thrilled to be hired. And I really do enjoy acting. But there's something about watching it afterwards, which I should want to do so I could learn. But it's just I just feel icky. It's just. What about when a stand up set on TV? Do you watch that?
2: I, I tend to watch those once. And I, for some reason, I'm just creeped out watching them again. Even right. if they go well, I don't know. And now with YouTube, it's just... It's, I mean, I'm, not a, f- I'm not a comment. I don't think you watch
3: them. I don't... I watch them. I'm not a fan of, of the past in general. I mean, it's just like, to me, I don't understand... I mean, I only feel bad. Like, I did a show in uh, Birmingham, and a good friend of mine from college came. And he's a great guy. And he was like, do you remember when you did this? And I just, I just started feeling like shit. I'm like, oh my god, I remember I was... I was this boob. I always feel terrible when someone contacts me who
2: I went to school with somewhere and they're like, you know, you have to remind yourself, all right, they're excited about whatever success you have, but it's just like, it's just awkward to run into someone who like, oh, I went to school with you 25 years ago and now I happen to be in the city where you relocated to and there's... And, and, you, you, and you know, then you sit up front or something like And you like, and oh, you like, and you like the person. You like the yeah. person, right? I'm, yeah, no, it's not like I hate like it, but it, but it's, it's sort just, of like we
3: didn't keep in touch, and and then I I, I'm awkward I and uncomfortable. That had and then, that aspect of my personality that just relished in the past, but I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah. I just, I just don't.
1: But a lot of people do.
3: A lot of people do. Yeah, like I've never gone to reunions or anything like that. I just I don't know.
2: A
1: lot of people love it.
3: But, you know, stand-up's weird. It's, it's you know, the pool of people that did what we do as a living, you know, grew exponentially. Like, I, I often sometimes feel, I feel guilty that I, there's comics that have been doing stand-up for seven years that I don't know that live in New York City. Yeah. And I'm like, how, how is that possible that I don't know these guys? I feel like some of them don't. I mean, sometimes I feel like you're just not,
2: they're not getting out there enough if you don't run it. I feel like, because you should run into everyone.
3: Well, I think I don't do the summer, so I mean, I feel like that's a ground zero. And I also, I mean, I would love to, to, um, I've heard great things about the creek and the cave, but I don't, you know, it's like going to Queens that just feels like, you know, I'm too lazy. It's like at least Brooklyn, I know that, you know, we're downtown right now. It's like, boom, over the bridge. You know, it's like Queens, I got to go up and I'm lazy.
1: Do you do the Queens shows?
2: um i've done a couple of them out there, yeah I, I mean they're great sometimes i haven't done that i've only done Creek and Cave once, but I have heard yeah. good things about it but i've done i've done've 've done all i don't think I've ever done Staten Island, but like the other day I went out to Brooklyn, yeah and I was like i had no no nothing booked, and I was like all right I'll, and it was like three stops on the l train, yeah, and it was a great little room I and mean, it was a room that was like smaller than my living room, yeah, huge living room by the way but um yeah, and no. it's fun, and you're like, wow, this is actually. I wish I could just make a living playing for forty people.
3: Yeah, I look. I mean, Littlefield and uh, some of those shows. <clears throat> I'm so angry that they're in Brooklyn. I'm angry. I'm like, yeah, because well, it's people are like, all you have to do is take a subway and then walk for forty five minutes. I know. you know, and I'm like, and uh, and you won't get paid. Although Littlefield will
2: pay, but there are those people who write to you like, it's just sixteen stops off the, off the G. Okay. And yeah. I, I like when they write to you, that sounds like I'm complaining, but sometimes they'll write to you and they're like, they're starting a little room, a little yeah. comedy show, and they want you to do the first one. Yeah. And you're like, why don't you get a few under your belt? Yeah. So, you know, like, oh, you go there, the first one, they find out, oh, yeah, the, the owner was yelling, uh, was halfling to the show. And like, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
2: Um, but now, you're a theater
3: act, Jim.
2: I, I yeah. I know. I just looked at your tour dates. It was an insane. Well, how many do you know? Are you someone who knows? Like, I have sixty-two dates ready.
3: No, because they're 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 kind of coming and going. You know, I mean, they're, they're they're we're adding as we go. You know, I've got five kids, so we're yeah. We're always Jeannie and I are. You know, I mean, some of it is like even if I didn't have five kids, I think Jeannie and I would still be the 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 new hour right we got to get the new hour it's so um there's some of that but some of it is like some of these are i mean i love some of these shows that i get to do it's like that mountain winery oh no no it's unbelievable i saw you doing the chicago theater which is just yeah
2: ridiculously beautiful place yeah it's so you're doing like four that's just yeah um we should just now do you guys can we talk about you guys writing together of course okay of course Jim has not written one of his own jokes, and <laughs> luckily, sitting so next—no, I know that. I'm totally joking. I, um, the way you guys work, and I've observed it a little bit, and it was sort yeah. of shocking to me. But I was sort of like, oh, I get it. Is I've stood next to Jeannie while she's taping your set at a club, yeah. and she'll actually chime in with little suggestions. Yeah. yeah. Well, so part of me was like, how could you let someone do that? Right. And then it was part of the little, I wish I had someone who would do that. Exactly. It was a real double-edged kind of like...
1: When I met um, Jim, he... I mean, it was not sort of something that was done. Like, we were sort of doing our own things, you know? Like, where we came together was in acting, because I was doing a lot of acting, and Jim was just starting in it. And I really knew... I had a background in it, and I knew how to break down scenes and stuff like that. And so we started collaborating on scenes... And um, something really worked between us. The way we, yeah. I mean, it wasn't just like one leader and one follower at all. It was a lot of um, sort of tossing a ball back and forth. Yeah. And I think that maybe I think you went. I mean, it was. I don't even know who was hosting the show. It was like Craig Kilborn. Oh, Kilborn. Yeah. And
3: you used a line. You set and a I, line.
1: I, did a, I told him something, and then he called me from L.A., we were dating, and he said, I um, I did your joke on Killborn, I hope you don't mind. And I said, no, I don't mind at all. And I said, how did it do? And he said, it killed. Oh, that's and felt, but the whole point was is that, not that it killed, it was that the way it made me feel. Because I never thought that someone else saying something I said would make me feel gratified, but it did. It was creatively fulfilling to me. And so... Jim has a really I mean obviously a unique voice, as do you. And um, because I've now we've been together for thirteen years, so my voice is now that I'm the the mom, I'm right? I'm not sure. I'm not performing. <laughs> yeah. So my voice is for him. So my comic voice, I'm not writing for me. I'm writing for Jim. Right. So it's not something like I'm saying, I want my point of view to come out of your mouth.
2: No, you're writing with him in mind, as if you were hired to write and the, the, him. Right, you know,
1: but it's inspired by where he's going. So I'm right. really inspired by Jim's brain, mm-hmm. and I've started observing things as Jim would observe them, and therefore I'm able to tag things right. and right. things like that. But I'm not, for by any means... He's not some, like, puppet I'm writing for. Oh, I know that. Yeah, I
3: know. No, I know. know, It's like a little punch-up. There's something very interesting A little punch-up. That's my role. I
1: do a little punch-up.
3: When you start up, when you start doing stand-up, there's always a comedy buddy that you have Mm -hmm. that, um, and this comedy buddy will tell you, like, hey, that's not working. You know, because some of it is our laugh ears are not working. and We're learning how to figure things out. And you grow out of your comedy buddy. In other words, you become friends with them. But like, it's a taboo to say, "Hey, Todd, can I try this joke on you?" Like, it would make you cringe if people would do that. If someone see that's I there's a handful of people I will do that.
2: It's not like a yeah. regular thing because right. just sometimes you get stuck on something and you're like, right. "This thing is like seventy five percent done," or right. and at right. the end it just dies and I yeah. can't. And I just locked like, into
1: it's like here's another thing about it. Here's why you—it's a different type of thing because there's such an enormous amount of trust that it's really difficult if you went to a peer and said, "Look, I'm this joke is almost there. Yeah. Can you look at it?" And like you'd never do that. I'm not saying you. I'm saying me. Everybody. It's very rare to be like, "Let me collaborate with this person." But because of our history together, mm-hmm. there's a real safety in it right. of being able to just do well, it there's together. Also, there's also and say, something. You know, him saying to me, like, you know, what else, when, about, when, what else about Subway?
3: When a, comedian, what else? When, yeah. a, when a comedian gives you a tag, you know, usually you sit there and your first thought usually is, is like, yeah, that was the first thing I thought of. Mm. You know what I mean? That but was the I, first bus. It's, it's always weird when, course. like, a stranger walks up right. to you. Like,
2: it's like, I, don't, the, I thought of a the, lot. Uh, the so some of it right is, there's also, you.
3: we have a relationship where if Jeannie comes up with an idea, and I, you know, like, after a show, I'll do a show. And then afterwards, Jeannie and I will go through, like, she'll say, this, what about this? And we'll go, I'll go, yeah, or no, or, you know, some of it is us hanging out after the kids are asleep. We'll drink some wine and we'll just talk about a topic. You know, like bacon. It's just like, how many times do we sit together and talk about bacon? Like, probably eight times, you know? No,
2: I think it's a good thing, because, I, I mean, there's part of me that wishes I had, like, a comedy coach sometimes. Yeah. Not, not like a director or someone great, right, but someone yeah. who just to just kind of, like... Like a personal trainer who would like, yeah. maybe you could do those sit-ups on your own, but having some well, dude stand over you go and do another one. Well, there's also,
3: there's there's other values in it too, which is, um, there's something about uh, doing stand-up where there's there's habits that we get, like say, you know, like we know the, the, the comparison of a road comic to a city comic, which I don't think that's relevant. Anymore. No, I don't think so. But there's bad habits you get. And so having Jeannie look at something and go, and and this woman, this person that I trust, who I also think is very funny saying, what you're doing there is just a diarrhea joke having someone say that but to like,
1: you I don't like that you're doing that Like that's a bl- really low brow that you're, right. going right. like, having you're someone saying you're a clean you comedian something. but you're doing all this bathroom comedy Right. It's and like, it's
2: someone you're not going to get mad at right. it's not like you're, right. how dare like, you come up to me the off the street
3: like, there's no jealousy
2: it's like no, you're, no, you're no, allowed no, to like, talk have to me that way
1: because I've gotten so, such deep, so deep in this role of doing this the
3: night is dark and filled with terror
1: is that I do it to comedians I know all the time like I've probably done it to you and I've probably pissed people off but I do it like when we're on the road with somebody I listen to their act all the time and I can't help but right and luckily I haven't had anyone express to me that they've been offended but um you know, it's, it's kind of a little out of line, probably, but I'm so used to yeah. doing it. I've done
2: it, too, and, a, like, sometimes I just find the most delicate way, because sometimes you're just watching someone, like, maybe you'd work, you're working someone at a club, yeah. and you watch them four nights in a row, and you're like, oh, that one line, if you just did this.
1: I know, but and, it's not from yeah. the perspective of criticism. It's no, like, well, like, that could really knock it out yeah, of the park. Yeah, like yeah. you you're,
3: you're like, you know, you can't, you know, like, you try and explain that, like, some topics or things, it's making the whole funny thing a little bit toxic. And that's not necessarily bad. But, like, if you're wondering why they're cringing, and the comic doesn't know, you're like, Dude, they're cringing because you're making a reference to, like, pedophilia. Right. And they're like, but that's fine. But that's fine among comedians. You need
1: a third eye But, like,
3: someone sitting in the audience who's on a date with their wife and this is their – they don't want to, you know –
2: Yeah, I mean, it also – it would depend on how you did that pedophilia joke off. But I know what you're saying.
1: And also, if I do give somebody a suggestion, it means they're at a certain level where – because, I mean, I see a lot of – Comedians that I wouldn't even try because there's just, you know, it's just not happening for me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's not necessarily what everyone would think, but it's someone who I'm really enjoying, and right. I really love that.
2: Yeah, I, sometimes I've I thought of that. Like I see someone who's terrible, and they were not terrible, but maybe not that good. I feel bad saying someone's terrible, but there are terrible people. But and you just kind of go, I could make that joke a little better. But then you're like, I'm not turn. I'm not really helping someone who's going to be good anyway. Right. But usually, if I see someone occasionally, I'll just come up to them and just go. And it's usually someone I know. That's yeah. like, hey, I had a thought on that joke. If you want to hear, it, only if you want to hear it. Of course. Kind of not like here is what you should do in that joke, but of but I always it drives. Yeah. Me. Sometimes I just can't not say something. Yeah. So I feel it out I go. I don't mean All to be joke. I'm not the only
1: one. No. Yeah. But in terms of the collaboration, well, I never do because I'm with, not rude like you <laughs> do.
3: But
2: yeah. with,
1: uh, in terms of the. Co- co- collaboration particularly with the wife which is like wife is such a negative term i mean i'm sure Sure. you know that like uh, the wife you know it's always negative but um i never wanted to be the wife i didn't didn't want to get married because i didn't want to be the wife i I literally was like i just never want to be someone who's the wife yeah but i'm the wife so what jim was on a podcast which you know i was not Part of
3: which one was
1: it? I'm not. I, I can't say it. Oh. I mean, I'm not going to say it. But the, yeah
2: it's the podcasters' code. <laughs> podcasters' code.
1: The person who was hosting the the person whose podcast it was brought this up and said that that just sounded like the most horrible, awful thing to him. Like, how could you let someone else? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and especially your wife. Yeah, well, right? that's all. Bullshit. And so it. I can see how it wouldn't work for some people.
2: Yeah, I think if it evolved naturally, which it seems to have done. Yeah. And especially, yeah.
1: kind of started in kind of a professional collaboration. Like, it wasn't like I was working out of the business and then I started just chiming in. Even though that probably...
2: You were a comedian. How long were you... You were a comedian for a while, right?
1: I was a comedian for a while, but I did mostly, like, sketch. Okay. You know, I I really didn't like stand-up, and mostly it was because of the meanness. Like, it just wasn't... It was so lonely to me. Like, it was, there was no scene, there was no one else. Probably all the reasons Jim likes it. Yeah, yeah that's what exactly. like. Funny.
2: Ooh, but, I don't have to be around people.
1: Right, but it was sort of like, um, I had a very, like, me against everyone else mentality when I was doing stand-up. And I felt like I was kind of forced into it by a manager who thought it was a good career move because I was an actress. Mm-hmm. And she was kind of like, this is the way you make it. Be a, you're a comic you're because you're funny. And um, so I definitely did stand-up, and I definitely have, like, several years of stand-up under my belt, and I definitely come back to Penn Station in the middle of the night from from emceeing a show, you know, in in Poughkeepsie. So I do have that experience, and then I've, of course, gone from club to theater as, you know, the Jim Gaffigan Yeah, it was
3: our first... So I have a lot of experience. Our first kid, we were, you know, the kid was... Our baby was in the, the green room.
1: On every green room couch <laughs> of every improv in and the country. And you know what's amazing so,
3: about that kid? That kid was called Billy Crystal. Oh, my no, God. No. Um.
1: <laughs> but so, yeah, I mean, but at the same time, we were professionally working together as doing scenes. And Jim.
2: Oh, you were in an acting class again? Yeah. No. No. We,
1: Jim was, and I, I was in the theater company. And I was also directing plays at the time. And Jim, I actually had a not-the-profit and, and I got
3: anything. Welcome to New York.
1: He got a series. so I was series.
3: the lead, and I was pretty overwhelmed.
1: And he was going and to be doing a lot of scenes with a Broadway actress. So um, some of it was And to a lot bad. of chops. And she was yeah. really um, techniqued and nuanced and everything like that. And he was like, can you help mm-hmm. me with these scenes? Because yeah. I'm not an actor. I went to school for finance, and I'm a comedian.
3: And I'm good looking.
1: And I'm really good looking. Yeah. And um, and so basically, I you know started. I was like, sure, I'd love to do that. And so we started working together on that. And that's when we noticed that we could work together because we have a similar work ethic. Like, we'll stay up all night memorizing, and we're both crazy. And <laughs>
3: you know, there's a
1: lot of kind of similarities yeah. No, there is
3: a lot of overlap. Like
1: I'm I grew up in a huge Catholic family. He grew up in a huge Catholic family. Yeah. I was the oldest. He was the youngest in his
3: family.
1: We so both smoke crack. We both smoke crack.
2: Um, See right there, would you say that's too many crack jokes and you're turning like, off the audience. Crack? You
1: know, the whole thing is is that I was just yes ending his crack joke, but I didn't bring up the crack joke. I was just... Like if this was okay. being
2: filmed, you'd be like, I think he did want too many crack jokes. Well, the I was whole just thing trying about not crack, to crack is that crack, crack, really crack, upset crack
3: is an like old reference, did? right? It's just, you know, it's like... And people used to go, Topo Jujio, and you're like, what? <laughs> it's like crack. It's like been out of the news.
2: Let me Crack ask
1: is you. a funny word.
3: Yeah.
1: How did you,
2: I'm sure I've asked you this off off podcast before, off but podcast. how did you? Off pod. I, I always wonder, like, sometimes, I wonder how does someone go from playing the clubs to where, oh, man, we should maybe put this guy in a theater and see what happens. I it's called
1: the hot pocket
3: joke oh really it was
2: well, the no, hot I pocket think, joke
3: I think some of it was well yeah I mean yeah that, I po- have a million people ask look, you about a lot, lot of, of about it was practice. a lot of it look I'm not gonna sit here and act like I wasn't very lucky um there was um but some of it was I was hesitant I mean you know look I think of myself as a new York comic right it's and there's guys that we might have gone out and done spots, but we didn't go on the road. We wanted to develop our act and make it good, right? We didn't want to. And so um, I was hesitant to tour a lot. And so, but I did love working at the DC Improv. I loved working at the Tempe Improv. I loved working at uh, the, the club in Boston and stuff like that. And so... I, I was touring these different cities in Seattle. There was giggles and stuff like that. And I um, saw so, and Chicago zanies. Uh, but I was really, you know, like I didn't plan to be even a headliner. I wanted to just do stand up. And I remember Geraldo and I talking about this. He's like, I want a headline. And I'm like, I just want to write on Letterman or Conan. You know, Conan didn't exist at yeah. that point. And so. I was doing these uh, these uh, shows, you know, at the DC Improv, and you know, I was definitely interested in selling them out because I would make an extra two hundred and fifty dollars, right? And so, I think that my manager at the time worked with the uh, the company that handled the Blue Collar Guys, and so the Blue Collar Guys would sell their specials, an hour special, to Comedy Central. And because he was with them, there was uh, just great timing. So they're like, anyone else? Do you have anyone else? And they were like, and my manager was like, Jim Gaffigan, do you want an hour special from him? And they're like, okay. Because
1: those guys were just raking it Because
3: those guys were so huge, I think. And, and And because Comedy Central had blown me off for so long to do a second half hour. Really? And so, uh, I, you know, some of it, it's like bad luck ends up being good luck. It's like I was blown off f- doing Letterman or Conan for, you know, many years after everyone did. And so then when I finally did it, it was, you know, I had a bunch of material so I could do it and come back a couple of months later and stuff like that. And, um, and But I think at it had the time, impact.
1: I want to say that we were like, like headlining was huge you mm-hmm. know. What I mean? yeah. it was like headlining at Caroline's at New Year's Eve right. yeah. it was a huge spot yeah. I mean that's like yeah. that was amazing we had no expectation of yeah the,
2: so you were never shooting you weren't you weren't like no. in three years I'm going to be playing no, no, no. And, and so when my
3: manager and my uh, new agent at the time wanted to do that I was like um, alright I mean we'll try like I had never performed in Portland. And the first two cities where I did theaters were in Seattle and Portland. But because of Marty Reimer, who was the Seattle DJ that, Yeah, I know that guy. He's a good guy. Who was who was really supportive, he played um, my um, you know, my clips all the time. And because I was clean he could just play them at five PM. And so then uh I ended up doing a couple different theaters, so the small theaters, and Beyond the Pale. It's just it really, you know, Comedy Central aired the hell out of it,
1: and, and that so, I mean it, that joke it just, just
3: surfs, took off. It just serves as you an never like it wasn't a, it I wasn't mean, the turned, highlight of the act. Right, I've taken down like eight different versions of Hot Pockets on YouTube that have had a million hits. I'm just like taking because it because. You know, for the for years after that I didn't want to be the hot pocket guy, so I would take down the hot pocket jokes. I'm like, look at you know, look at my other material and it was just it's just no stopping the hot pocket thing. So I was like, All right, fine.
1: And then it was like fine, you know what? Fine.
3: Fine. I'll do my third hour and I'll tour and and you know, the encore will be the hot pocket. It's not the end of the world. Like don't
1: know who what Jim's name is, but they know he's the hot pocket guy. That's yeah. who he is, and running away from it like doesn't really serve.
3: But there's—I'm sure you're known for certain it, jokes, right? Cause yeah. There was a time when I was doing clubs where I was the manatee guy, and then there's some people that only know me as the bacon guy.
2: I'm just—yeah, so. I mean, I—I I guess there are jokes that people will mention of mine, but i i, I am—I'm just so wary now. I guess now because you can monitor every comment i yeah. of just like some heard a lot of stuff I heard before, that kind of like where you're just like, oh, man, I, I'm trying to write as fast as I can. Yeah, yeah. Because, no. you know, you got someone like Louie who gets an hour and yeah, half of new makes stuff. everyone
3: look but, bad. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, and also, the, the worst thing is is that we will do, um, you know, pushing out the old stuff. Like, that's how we build the hours. We, you know, start doing a new joke with the hour, then two new jokes with the hour, and then we just start pushing it all out. And I think that we did a show... I mean, this has happened before, but particularly we did a show where there was, I don't know, let's say it was an hour show. Yeah. And there was probably 45 minutes of brand new material yeah. and then some classics at the end.
3: Yeah. yeah. You know,
1: and like the Hot Pocket Encore or something yeah. like that. And someone in a review, I think, made a comment, a review said it was the old stuff but uh, it's it's so funny and I was like what are you kidding me there was 45 minutes I remember there was a guy I was
3: was in Vegas and um, Jeannie and I were both in Vegas and we ran into um, oh you know what I was with Joe and those guys and this guy who is a muckety muck in television he's a muckety muck in television he came up to me and he goes he goes hey uh I saw Seinfeld and I saw him six months ago and he was doing the same stuff. This guy's the president of a very, very powerful company in the entertainment industry. And I turned to him and I was like, you realize that, you know, he's an observational guy. That's nothing. I go, he probably did... And this was probably during the era of when he was doing B movie in between there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you you got to give him some slack. It's like he's also he's not a topical guy. This is he's writing evergreen stuff that will last forever, but it takes longer to grow that. Stuff. And also, like, were the people
2: around you laughing, or were they all going,
3: "We all heard this"?
2: Like, I, I not know. You I, know what I mean? Oh, like yeah, yeah, from, yeah, him, yeah. from his perspective, people think that, they sit is, there and they, they take it in like they ordered a steak or something and it came out rare and they wanted it well done. Like, well, I'm not enjoying that. Well, it's not just for you. And like, it's great that you heard this stuff, but the three thousand people next to you didn't hear it. Yeah, and they're enjoying it. So should you, I should not do it? Well, I should find also, out when you were in my also last show. There's also
3: something about. There's a lot of people that want to hear stuff again. I know people like familiarity, and I know that that's usually a negative. Right, as an artist, you want to. You know, we admire the the bands that that, that are prolific and write great songs, but. there is something about familiarity and, you know, familiarity and point of view that people come back to. They're like, you know, like when I go off on some, you know, because I did, I had that interview, that article in the Wall Street Journal, and the guy at one point, he said to me, he goes, he goes, you're a clean comedian, but you talk about rape and cancer in your latest hour. And I go, yeah. And, and, And he was like, he was like, yeah, but you're still clean. So it's like, it's, you know, I, I'm talking about rape and cancer, and still I'm kind of like, well, that, that white bread and clean comic. It's like you can't lose some of the perception as long as they're... If it was just, you know, if it was just me talking about rape, it would be bad. But, right. And I'm not talking about rape. I'm using it as a, a reference. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so, I don't know, it's weird. Stand-up, it's just... I don't know, I just <laughs> love it. Am I all over the place? No,
2: no, no. no. The- it's It's the... That thing where the where Jeannie was just talking about with the forty where you do the brand new forty five minutes. I I had a guy. Yeah. I, yeah, you'll see that you can do like if there's one thing they've heard before. Yeah, they'll just it's reduce it to we all. It was all old stuff. And you're like, I've had people come up and go, hey, I heard that stuff before. It was good. I heard it something. Like, when did you hear? Like oh three years ago. I know what I did, and I know none of this stuff. Yeah, was written then, so you're wrong.
3: Oh, well, I don't know, about no, I actually do I think know that. That's comparative to. Um, you know, an audience, when we're on stage and we see the audience, you can always find the face that is not laughing. Oh,
1: and you know, you and don't even know, you guys, because I'm in the audience a lot, and no one knows that I'm yeah. part of the writing crew, yeah. yeah. and I have heard some funny things Like I was sitting at, um, can we say club names? I don't know. Yeah. I was sure. At,
2: so. No one's listened to this
1: podcast. And, um there was a couple next to me and Jim did a set trying out all new stuff, you know, that we had just come up with and, you know, just going out there and working it out in front of an audience. And after he finished and he was walking off, this guy turned to his girlfriend and said, because he was kind of excited, he's like, oh, this guy, this guy, this guy, he's on TV. And afterwards he said to his girlfriend, right next to me, um, you know, he was really funny on TV. I don't know what you yeah. know, and it was like, I was sitting right there, and I was thinking, you know, there's just, there's a process here where people are seeing that polished, you know, filmed yeah. hour. Right. And thinking that everything that comes out of Well, her that's mind. why. I yeah, they think it's just all be magic. They think it's, right. right. It's I just remember like, yeah. that's,
3: that's one of those, there was a moment when I was in L.A. and I saw Chris Rock go on stage at the uh, comedy store. Do you remember this? And this you? was pretty much at the peak of his... His uh, success, and I uh, and I saw him go on stage, and literally not get a laugh for fifteen minutes. Yeah, just but it felt like an hour. mm -hmm. And then you know the last five minutes he got some some good laughs, and he walked off stage and he was completely unfazed. And I remember yeah, he's really I've seen him do that where he works it out and he just and I looked at him and I was just like this guy's a god.
1: Yeah, like I also, look at him in Seinfeld and I'm too, like I, I have
3: too many I'm too, you know, I'm too much of an actor where I, I'm too in touch with you know uh, kind of emotions and listening to things where I think they can cut it off and just go this is just and well, I, think I think Louis think you can, can do can that bomb. Here I here think
1: just, you can bomb too I think that you're being too hard on yourself but no, I also I remember I that, that with Chris Rock because the one thing that he did that worked I knew I was like that's going to be an A in the next special yeah. and it sure was it was like the one about the poles, like yeah, off yeah.
2: The I used to see him do a few sets like that before I ever saw him in a theater, and it was just like night and day. Because then he's just this monster of a comic, just yeah, is, yeah. just cr- like really super tight stuff and destroying. But yeah, he wo- He's not afraid to. I mean, he's he was to uh, work it out in a club and not have yeah, it is go well. Yeah, he's not afraid at all. And but also, you know, there is an advantage to being like. He's not going, oh, will they rebook me here if I bomb? Of course. So, there is, so it, there that is, makes it a lot there's easier. Also,
1: there's also something unique, I think, about, and this is probably from my own perspective as in my former comedian history, that I can see that you have, the Jim has and the Todd that you have, is that um, just like a sort of fearlessness to be able to just bomb. Because if you try to polish something before you do it in front of an audience, yeah. it's never going to get done. No, And so putting things out there is like the number one thing that, well, you know, also there's been times the, the, where I'm like, no, that's not ready. Don't do that yet. Don't the, do that yet. And he just does it and it doesn't get a laugh. The right. bigger
3: the bigger the risk, the bigger the reward, right? And that's why I love these films. You go up there, there, you know, there's, there's... Not a lot of pretension. It's not painful. It's, right. it's, uh, and I can go up there and I can fall on my face and I can pick myself up. And I think that's why Janine goes there too. Well, it's we like, all live in, in the neighborhood too. Yeah, we all live in it's the it's neighborhood. It's nice to walk it's over to
2: crazy,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, you know, the last night like, like, you did that too on our way home from the spot. You called me, you know, like, I'm going to Eastville and do a spot over there. Like, and you know, it, was, it was great.
2: Yeah, I mean, I sometimes, I mean, I still have to struggle with the, uh, not you, wanting to kill all the you time. You want to succeed. Right. You want to be yeah. like, I don't want to go up there and bomb even in front of 11 people. But you sort of go, if I'm going to bomb, it might as well be. Not that Esau always gets 11 people, but just like if you yeah. go to a club on a Tuesday or something. Yeah. But you kind of want to go, this this would be the place to bomb. This is the night to bomb. But there's if, not 10,000 pa- people. No,
1: even when Esau's packed, it just, it seems like it's not a, like an angry mob. Right. You know, and well, I felt like, in yeah. my experience, when I would go to some of those out-of-town gigs... It was brutal. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it was so brutal to bomb in, you know, out of town. I felt like. Because oh, the yeah, people when you were went to different, Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: Different, uh, totally different people. Well, there's, no, was there's
3: bombing in another country, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you something. I think that. Done I mean, it. I, look, yeah. I love. <laughs> I, you know, I'm such a international nerd, like, I, like, you know, my, my, my daughter is eight and she's learning about geography and I'm like, here, let me talk to you about Eastern and Western, Europe. but, and I love traveling and I love performing in Israel and, but, you know, I've performed in England and I've performed in Ireland and I feel as though I don't like some of the baggage that I have to carry. I don't like the baggage of being an American. I just wanna do stand up, but it's I feel as though when I go on stage, and I'm sure this is some of my insanity, I'm an American. And so therefore I have to prove you know, some liberal credentials. Like, look, I didn't like Bush, like I feel like I have to bring that up.
2: You yeah, know? I think that's probably Well I always hate when I go when I see when I'm in England or Scotland and I see someone an American comic do pa- pander to that. Like yeah. oh yeah. Like just go up there and yeah, you're from America. Who who cares if you're yeah. funny you're going to make them laugh. They'll just take a shot at America. That's not part of their regular thing just cuz they're well, see I I am uh, like yeah. there's out of fear. It's a fear-based like, yeah. comment. But I think that the thing they do when you go to like London or to Scotland or whatever is just find there's comedy nerds over there, too. It's just like here, you know. It's like, you don't want to go to that club, but that club's got a great clientele or whatever. Right, right. It's the same thing over there. There's no, going to be yeah, shitheads yeah, yeah. who are just going to yell and scream. Right. Or
3: there's going to be, like, completely polite comedy nerds who are going to go crazy when you walk on stage. Absolutely. Right. But there is something about having been introduced a couple times as an American oh, where there's booze. But those and have been like, those
1: shitty clubs. Really? And the equivalent yeah, here. But, but
3: are they you shitty if they're in them. Chelsea? You know what I mean? It's like... No, but they... You know, there's there's It the
2: doesn't matter where it's located. You
1: know? I mean, I Rich don't people want to smart, right? clubs here, but there are so clubs... drinking all your No, drink.
2: you should drink it all, because I... Oh.
1: There are clubs here that you, you don't go, go to for a reason, you know, and you don't do an 11 o'clock show. It's just yeah. the same thing. Yeah. It's like the... It doesn't matter if it's in Chelsea, you know, yeah. it's like... Are you
2: talking about England's Chelsea or our Chelsea? England's Chelsea. England's Chelsea. Chelsea. Okay.
1: Yeah, I'm, yeah.
2: I mean, uh, it's funny. It can be
1: a, like a bunch of England douchebags.
2: I did a TV show there, at the comedy store in London, and first time I did it, it went really well, and they yeah. brought me back, and they had this weird notion that I should go on at the end, and it, it was one of those TV tapings where it's like everyone there is too long, like it's yeah. like eight comics doing fifteen minutes, and just, it's just too, it's too a long a taping. It's a bad idea. and the MC who. Didn't do this in a mean-spirited way at all. Yeah. It's like, well, you're going to uh, recognize our next comic when, he, as, as soon as he starts talking, you're going to recognize where, the, where he's from as soon as he starts talking. Yeah, that was a terrible English accent. So they're already going. Oh, you know, they're already going up there, like, oh, we got an American come up, and it was the only American on the show, and it was one of the most. It sure was a brutal bomb, like not, it was like a stone face about. bomb. Not yeah. mean,
3: but just like, did you the world stands up? No, no, I didn't. I did think the one. world stands up in, in the UK and. You know, the great irony, like I said, it's like I, I, I want to be able to take my five kids and go and tour around England. I want to perform in Ireland. My daughter draws the Irish flag for some reason all the time. <laughs> but the whole thing is, is that I go over there and I did World Stands Up and, you know, so there's these Australians. There's, you know, a couple Kiwis and the, there's like the Scottish and the Irish comic. And maybe it was just the show I was on, but it was like the Australian made fun of the Irish. I mean, made fun of the Americans. The Scottish person, how did he bond with the the London audience by saying that he hated Americans? It just went on and on. And this was before the Iraq War. And then we went to Ireland after we invaded... Iraq and it was just like, My God, you think that like we were- Jim
1: started saying that we were from Canada just to so like yeah. we-
3: That's a classic a classic fix. Yes. Not a fix,
2: but a classic uh, way I, to avoid that know. situation. But yeah, that show that I bombed on in England, it, like it several of the comics took stabs at America. So it was like the only American after an audience that was there too long. And after they heard a little bit of
3: anti-American, which I don't, I never problem.
1: But my whole thing, my whole thing, it's like I wanted
3: to do something. I wanted to sit there and say, because I, you know, look, I'm friends with people that have this view of America being like this or that. And I'm like, all right, so you're an intelligent person who doesn't believe in racism, but you're stereotyping 300 million oh. people? Well, I get, that's... <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you're against anti-Semitism, but you're generalizing on 300 million that's, people? I mean, I've always I've talked about this before, when people trash the South. I always, yeah.
2: Oh, <laughs> the South, they're all bigots down there. Uh, like, you, you were just, kind of just sounding bigoted right there. <laughs> you just, you just yeah, wipe exactly. down an entire region of the country yeah. where there's plenty of nice people. That, yeah, of course. I almost deleted a guy on Facebook today because he said something. Cause I trash the South a lot, but then uh, he said something about the food down there or something. I almost wanted to delete one of those Facebook friends you don't even know, but I gave him a, I gave him a second chance. That's that's a hot, hot off the presses. Hot off the presses. Um,
1: in the world of Todd What's your Facebook?
3: feedback that you're getting on your podcast? Well, it hasn't started airing yet. So oh, it has been great. No, I'm, no, are you I'm trying just... to get a bunch in the can. Oh, so you're going to get a bunch in the can so that you can be, uh... Then I can go to, you know, Maui. Maui. I can go to my home in Maui. You can go back to your house in Maui. Yeah.
2: This is, the uh, Yeah. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. I don't... You know, I can't... Like, Marin is like, become an empire. Yeah. Like, he's... You know, he videotapes it. He's... But, we'll see. And, uh what were we just talking about?
1: Bombing in other countries.
2: Bombing in other countries. Yeah, but after I bombed for this TV show, like comics were coming up. They can fix. They'll edit that well. They'll, they can. Because I held my ground and I just pretended I was killing and they I just played to the camera. Us. Yeah. I did a show,
3: uh, some benefit show in London, and the review said that I was obviously a very green comic. Are you serious? This was maybe it was seven years ago. Do you remember when we did that? Mm-hmm. It was some Princess Diana kind of bumble fun.
2: Is that when you got in the with fight Joey with the
1: bartender? Lewis. Yeah.
3: Yeah. What'd you get in a fight with bartender?
1: He started mocking Jim's accent or I No, know. I
3: was like, I was like, oh, you know what? I had all these coins, and I was like, oh wait a minute, that's a two pounder, and he goes, a two pounder, and I go, yeah, a fucking two pounder. It's just a fucking. It didn't go that
1: escalated, yeah. <laughs> but it was like he was sort of mocking everything Jim said, and Jim started talking about, you know, all of a sudden it was just like, oh, you aren't you the people that, like, invaded India? And, yeah, like, we're over? horrible, he but started, didn't you
3: chop off thumbs of people in India he that were making all silk deep so that you could sell the Belfast linen? So let's drop
2: he
1: the started,
3: attitude about he, the empire.
1: He got all nerdy on wow.
2: it. I should bone up on some history so I can zing people. But I've had the things, they seem to love that, I mean, they're mostly nice people, especially if you're in, from New York, they usually give you a pass, yeah. but... If the times I've had trouble, they love using that as a starting point, money. Like I yeah. The one I went to Paris one time and this is a long time ago. Well, fifteen years ago. And everyone was like surprisingly nice. But yeah. there was one guy who I just paid with like maybe it was equivalent to paying something four dollars with a fifty. Yeah. And he didn't just go, you know, do you have a smaller bill? Which yeah. would, but it was just like oh but like and it's just like and then one of the other goes, You you kinda of paid with a big bill. Well, why don't you just correct me? Instead of I'm not a shithead because yeah, and I know (laughs) that ugly Americans have kind of ruined it. But but they're like that guy, like the guy
3: you're talking about, was ready to pounce. It just sounds like they're just like ooh, an American's here. But I also, I mean, not to get too esoteric, but it's like we're all Europeans. I mean, come on, it's like we're all Western. Yeah. It's like they, you know. It's like let's maybe, be
1: mean to those non. No, issues. no. It's, yeah. like, it's
3: like it's like it's like snobby cousins making fun of the 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 you know the the big the cousin with the muscles. I mean, look, I know that America has its weaknesses, but it's like we're all the fucking same. Yeah. You know, it's like we have more culturally in common with people from Croatia than we do with you know. Uh, people from you know uh freaking chad it's like we're all europeans it's the same thing we're the ones that did all the horrible things in the world together <laughs>
2: <laughs> little history lesson yes. here that i was not expecting yeah um i'm gonna ask you a few more things and then yes. we'll uh, we'll wrap it up because this is the this is the longest taping so far i think you're gonna talk about the book yeah, that's what i was gonna get to okay, yeah, of course yeah that's on my list um but I was going to ask you one thing about playing the theaters, yeah, a couple of things. Yeah, do you find that you get more nervous playing? I mean, I know you've done lots of theaters now; yeah. it's pretty much all. Do you like going into like a small Eastville audience as opposed to going on stage at the Chicago theater? Is it noticeably different, or are you kind of just as like, all right, let's do this? A I know it's a longer show, thing, a theater, like just literal is the nerves,
3: nervous. Yeah, like nervous. literally, no. like no. Well, I think uh, theater is. Um, Set up for a better show. Than, yeah, um, a better show for my type of comedy. Um, whereas if I was a crowd-working guy, a theater, an eighteen-hundred-seat theater wouldn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But um, I love a theater because, uh, first of all, it's usually the probably the one of the nicest buildings in the city. Yeah. There's a lot of heritage there, and there's also uh, an element of it's a night out. You know, people you, you you get people in the Chicago theater, and they're like, "Here we are at the Chicago theater," or "Here we are at name a city." You but know? I think the
1: most simple, basic fact is is that the filter is is that every single person in that audience paid to see you,
3: right? Whereas yes. in the club, they know my sensibility
1: randomly in
3: there. Right. And that's why... Well, that's why I think it's really important to continue to do clubs and to continue to do alternative rooms is that there's... There's a purification that occurs. Keeps you on your
1: toes. It. No one is expecting and the hot And you don't get bad job.
3: habits. And so... What happens in a theater... I mean, a theater, it's like doing a Letterman set. It's... I don't want to say that it's easier, but it's just set up for you. It's right. Like these people... There's and I think if a random jerk... I paid 40 bucks and yeah. I don't know who he is.
2: If a random jerk wanders in, he's, he's so outnumbered by people who aren't jerks that yeah. it's easy to shut them down or just...
3: Yeah, there's... there's no
2: one's going to be myself. happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to a club where you, you're really like... Oh, they might be like, oh, this is getting good now. Yeah, you might
1: get the mom Right, yeah.
2: Yeah. Even though it's... Yeah, because I've done small clubs where you're like... You do a set for 20 people and like 10 of them are talking and you're like... I have less control of these 20... I just did a show for 1,500 people where it was the palm of my hand and, like, I can't even... I'm putting out fires all over the places. People behave in a a setting of a
3: theater, too.
2: Yeah. The amount of shows you do in theater, is it... it, Now you're touring with your kids. You don't just do weekends, right? Now you've been doing, like, long stretches. I've been...
3: We've been on a... We did. We do tour buses. So how long? You did like six. I know. I talked to Tom. Two weeks. So you did did two weeks. Two weeks, and this summer, if the show doesn't go, we'll do maybe a month. A month. On the bus. On the Ah. bus. And some of it is to justify the cost of the bus, and some of it is also having five kids. Yeah, yeah. And the cost of having five kids, and also, um, as you know, traveling. I if. We're on the bus, and there's some markets that it might take two flights to get to. I'm like, let's get it
2: on the Anything
1: bus. Anything you can do to avoid, like, think about how many airports you'd have to go to to get that many.
2: No, cars. I've toured on, like, with bands and some other yeah. people on bus, and it's pretty nice just because you leave whenever you want yeah. to. And you, and if you fall asleep on it, yeah, you wake up and you're in the, like, the, the parking lot of the hotel you're about to go to, and it's pretty... Uh,
3: yeah.
1: Yeah, that's how we That's. I mean, how it's very
3: difficult with five kids. Yeah, yeah. But, um,
1: but it's still easier than going with five kids to 16 cities on a plane.
3: Yeah. It's way easier
1: than all, going to
3: the airport once with five kids, which we do.
2: You'll do the occasional one-off without the kids or something. You know? Yeah.
1: But all the time. Definitely. Yeah. All the time he does that. Definitely,
2: yeah. Um, as far as paying for like, I remember Jay Leno saying once, boy, this was pre-Tonight Show even, when he yeah. was a theater act, and they said, why do you do so many shows or something? It's like, well, well, I can can stay home or I can go make $25,000. Like, I wonder, is it just, or sometimes do you just feel like, now that I'm making this crazy money, why would I stay home? To the point of maybe burning yourself out? I don't know. I don't know what I'm
3: asking. No, no, well, I mean, I think there's also something of a calculation of, uh, look, I'm very grateful and... I also am not naive enough to have not looked at other people's careers going off a cliff. Mm-hmm. So if people want to come and see me in a theater,
0: no, now I'm not going to I'm not gonna go from
3: the assumption that they're going to want to do that right. I'm So it's a strike while the iron's hot kind yeah. of situation. And um, it was, that was definitely the case with Beyond the Pale. Like, let's go out there and get this. And then some of it is also... I mean, Jeannie and I were, it's funny because, you know, it's so exhausting doing the tour bus. But it's also really creatively fulfilling to do these hours and to, to you know, it helps you come up with material. Because you're up there and you're like, all right, I'm going to talk about biscuits and gravy because I'm in Poor Burma. gravy. Or McGreevy. Or McGreevy. Biscuits Former
2: McGree- New Jersey <laughs> governor. <laughs> New
3: Jersey governor. McGreevy.
2: Retired in, amidst the scandal, Jim McGreevy.
3: <laughs> Jim McGreevy. In Jersey, um, I do this. But we can, uh, let's just, you know, go on a bit of a rant every night about it. And you can come up with material.
1: But it also is a, I just have to say that it also, it has developed too. Because between, am I talking too much? No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. Um, between Beyond the Pale taping and airing and King Baby, yeah. it was like horrible. Like we did not have it figured out at that point. No. Like it was co- it was like us being apart all the time. It was um, many more theaters for much less money. Yeah, And so we've learned now over the years to position it where we can be a lot more strategic with yeah. what the theaters we do when we're not on these tours so yeah. let's say we're doing two two tours a year with two week tour and a month tour that's a you know the plan in yeah. order to keep the the ship sailing let's yeah. say but in the meantime you need to do shows so the one offs yeah. are much more strategic than they used to be so there's much more like okay you can do three of these or you can do one, one at this casino yeah you know, so it's like figuring out the strategy of how to um, be able to stay unified as a family, right? And yeah. because the the comedian lifestyle and the family lifestyle are two completely yeah, opposite lifestyles. Absolutely.
2: Even if you bring them on the road, it's still not like sitting around the dinner table at home. Meeting. Well, it's yeah, but no, but
1: it has another sort of sense of like camping adventure,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, which it is definitely really, keeps really the bonds
1: and... the family together, but. Um, that's, you know, whatever I said, six weeks out of the entire year. So for the rest of the year, it's not like we are not have, we don't have to work,
3: even right. though
1: we're trying to do all these other things to keep yeah. our f- hope alive. But we've been so doing
3: Vegas the past couple of years at Thanksgiving. So we, Vegas, it's November, it's cold in New York, the kids have a couple of days off from school, so we all go to Vegas, and I do a couple of shows in Vegas. So you yeah.
1: go to the pool And the kids uh, uh, like Vegas, tires. do they? Oh, there's tigers it. there all right, that's They all love eat. it There's a lot of kids stuff There's, there's true, a stop. Du Soleil So,
3: you know Columbus Day weekend So we might figure something out One uh, Martin Luther King Day Holiday We went to uh, uh, To ski in Perk City You know, which is The best way to commemorate Martin Luther King And uh, so Skiing
1: with bunch of white
3: people Skiing is Just skiing, I think Just skiing is <laughs> Obviously a tribute To a great man Um so, yeah, it's definitely a, a calculation. I'd love to go to Australia. I love You've never been to Australia? I've never been to Australia. you got to go to Australia. But here's the thing. Here's the
1: calculation. He'd have to go by himself because we can't but, figure out a way to justify it. And you can't go to
3: Australia for less than two weeks, right? Right. And you don't want to put five kids in
2: coach while you're up front.
3: Right. <laughs> so oh, yes, he does.
2: I mean, you want yeah. to. That's but true. So, kids,
3: they're little, but right? By yeah. the way, but, by the way, five kids. Yeah. Yeah. So five Plane tickets, to Australia.
2: And and it's went not Australia.
1: five teenage kids. Yeah, it's five babies. Right,
2: it's not some kids who are yeah. not as self-sufficient. So, Louis went to Australia for like four nights. Like he, did, he treated okay. it like he's done a little tour of uh, the Midwest or something. Wow! But, but you don't want to do Australia like that. You'll just come back.
3: I mean, I guess it's better than nothing. But it's not like if you're going to fly 23 hours, I mean, you might as well. But don't want to walk around. Louis, a bit. it's it makes sense because I'm sure Louis is on in Australia and. You know, he was uh, anointed by Ricky Gervais, so he's he's a global English-speaking
1: And Jim comedian. would have to make himself known in Australia. I'd like, have no to go to and not make No it. one knows who the hell he is in Australia. Believe me, we've researched that. Okay. We,
3: we've what, are you thinking about doing it, though? I would
2: it's love for
1: to. For years, know. Yeah. Yeah. No,
3: but, you know, that was one of those things where it's, you know, I've always wanted to go to Australia, but I've always just been like, well, I don't know when I'm going to go because, you know, the Melbourne Festival is in May, so what am I going to be, away from my... Yeah. Five kids For two weeks I don't know if that's worth it You know uh,
2: Speaking of your kid Let's get into this book you wrote Yes You have a new book Called Dad is Fat Which you yes. were nice enough To give me i never I've never An seen excerpt. anything like this It's a 29 page excerpt Which yes. I read the entire thing today and Oh wow Two trips man. to the same coffee shop Oh there you go This is the most I've read In a long long time <laughs> Since college Did you
1: enjoy it? I did
2: enjoy it And I even made notes Um
1: Criticisms? No, no, no. Typos?
2: us? was Did one. it th- feel like a task? Like, oh my gosh. Well, every anything involving reading feels like a task.
3: That's like, so funny because I always think of myself saying that. And when I do that, people in, you know, Williamsburg go, oh, man, you don't, he's don't one either,
2: of those. He's, he's being ironic, right? No, I'm not. So I don't believe in reading. So I, you know, i thought about writing a book and then I sat down with an agent once or an editor yeah. and he's like, yeah, it's uh, 80,000 words. And I was like, oh, I would. 94 years that would take me, right? Well, you know, we're,
3: <laughs> we're short writers, right? I mean, we write, you know, Twitter makes sense for us, yeah. right? So it was, and we're verbal, so it's very weird to translate it to the page. And so there's, particularly, car, you know, writing about having five kids, it was It was a journey. It was me writing out these these essays and then Journey, uh, Jeannie turning it into. And sorry, Journey. And, oh, journey. So you, you, and Journey. We did it together. Right. But it's done
2: but, from my point right. of view. Right. It's so. it's
1: not the mom's point of view.
3: It couldn't be
2: you're Dad is Fat by Jim and Jeannie. Yeah, story. I like the whole thing, the, yeah. the vice president. That was an interesting, that is interesting way of putting isn't it on. Yeah. Which is basically like you're the vice president of the family. Yeah, just you're, you're powerful, but you still it's always Janie's the president.
3: Of course, I thought that was a and that probably you probably identified that with you, know, you look back at your father and your mother's relationship, and you're like, all right, that makes sense, right? Yeah, I
2: just I got to say, this did not make me upset that I don't want to have kids right this <laughs> It
3: didn't make you upset?
2: No, it didn't. make a I'm missing. Wow, this sounds great having kids. Um, that. Chapter, I think it's one of the first chapters in the in the excerpt anyway, where you take the where you go to the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Do I know that person who you're talking about? No. Okay. No, you don't know. Are you still friends with that person? I uh, yes, as of right now. Okay. I think
3: <laughs> that Do you want me to not talk about this? Or? No, no,
1: that's all right. But, but I
3: mean, d- look, I you know, I'm good friends with the guy, and it's
2: what you We of don't know if he's for... just read
1: it though. No. Oh. No, I
2: mean you're not making okay. him look bad. You're just making him look like a guy who's sort of got in a situation. Well, basically you had to get For those listeners, you went to Grand County you had to get adjacent rooms and this guy was insistent on getting adjacent hotel rooms and you didn't realize why until... Well, it's something
3: about the human experience as, you know, we all know whether it's a friend or a sibling that gets married, they change. Mm -hmm. And when a sibling or a friend has a kid, they change. And the dynamic of the child, and that's what the essay is about. It's about how, from a single guy perspective, you know, people with kids were just fucking weirdos, and, and they are weirdos, and we are weirdos. I mean, I. Have but I think
1: it is, it, that essay is a really good way. I think it's in the excerpts so is a good way for us to, or for Jim to identify um, his single self with what the perspective could be of someone single or childless reading this book. Like it's sort of saying, you know, this experience actually made me a completely different parent than if I hadn't had this experience. Cause it's sort of like, Oh, okay, this is not thing. where I, I want to go with this. I don't want to completely change my personality to the point where I'm unrecognizable as the person that I right. used to be because right. it's, there's a lot of people who sort of are illogical about having children and, they think that they have to become this other person.
2: Right. They become like, we don't go out anymore. We don't go. We're boring. We're boring. They tell you how boring they are.
1: Right. I go, Hey,
2: I don't have kids
3: and I'm boring. Right. No, it's a strange thing. It's, it's the, the parenting thing is, you know, I never thought that I would be a parent. I never, I mean, I, I'm grateful that I'm married, but I never thought that I, you know, here's how weird I am. I thought, you know, I'm so lucky that I get to do what I want to do that there's no way that I also get to be married and have a family. I mean, that's how I thought that the universe worked. That um, so I never, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I mentioned I was never a camp counselor. I wasn't like babysitting kids. This was very foreign. I'm a comedian who's. You know, being a loner too. A, you know, a loner, as I'm sure you are, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like you you selectively want to interact with people. And that's another thing about being a comedian. It's when we get on these acting jobs, it's like, wait a minute, I got to hang around these people for six weeks. It's it's weird. I've never gotten an acting job where I'm on the set for six weeks. Thanks for rubbing that up.
2: <laughs> I do two days. I do Louie. I walk over there, I walk back, and an hour, four hours later. Six uh,
3: weeks. Well, wow,
1: I wish I had a gig
3: like that. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. So yeah. it's. But I mean, I do love it, and I think there is something of. Uh, you know, it's just as a comedian, we, we we lead this kind of lifestyle that we love, and the notion of being a parent seems like slavery. It seems like oh, you have to move to the I suburbs. Think people give it a bad
1: name. To, you know, you I have to that that do
3: these things and. Yeah, I would guess you guys aren't like
2: like if your kids kicking someone on the flight, you'll yeah. probably say don't kick, right? Of course, because I think that's those are the parents that are where it's just like I'm a parent, therefore
3: uh, I'm a little better than you. And uh... oh, really? You think there's that? You don't see that? No, no. I mean, well, look, there's great. I even talk about it in the book. I Maybe say, I'm not. Afraid I say of you, but... I say that most other parents, I yeah. view them as comedians. I have respect for them, but I assume they're crazy. That's what I mean. Yeah. I'm always right. So um, the, I usually assume that other parents are, a, you know, I don't know. It's, the, you know, it's someone the way someone manages their kids and parenting, it feels similar to um, almost kind of how people view, you know, how foreigners view Americans. It's just, you know. Yeah, I you know, I know that parents have a bad rap, but they're not all that bad. Oh well, No, no, I, I mean,
2: think it's just some people, I mean, I always use the kicking of the seat example. Yeah. Because I remember I was being on, a, I, I may have already told the story on another episode, but I'm going to oh, tell it again. Yeah. But I was on a flight once, and I, uh, the kid was kicking me. Yeah. And the flight attendant just walked by, and I should have written a nice comment card about her. Yeah. And it was just, didn't even look at the parent and said, you have to stop kicking people. You can't kick that seat like that. Like she kind of scolded yeah, the kid, yeah, in, but not yeah. in screaming. But it was just like, yeah. well, I'm glad you said that because the mother was sitting right next to oh, you, yeah. no, and I, not even like, I you know, had all that. over it. Yeah, yeah. I just you know. feel
1: like when I get on a plane with kids who are misbehaving or crying in any way, um, that I'm being punished for all the times I complained about the kid that was yeah. misbehaving, being punished because there is an element of you're out of control. But if there's something that you can control, you have to step up and control right. it. Because it's oh, like course. if the kid is one and the kid's kicking the seat, you can't just say don't kick the seat. You have to get up and the kid and walk them back and forth. In the, I mean, you have to do certain things yeah. to make the experience pleasant for other people.
2: Yeah. and I mean, there's people who bring their kids to comedy clubs. I think it's happened recently. Yeah. Like, I know you get a lot of families at your <laughs> yeah, show, but yeah. that's how it's young? different than being like. Ten years old, eight years old, and and, and yeah. sometimes the kid is well behaved, but it's just yeah. there's that thing where it's like I'm not the dirtiest comedian, but I feel bad for the guy yeah, who is no, dirty no. who Jim suddenly Jim. has to look at a kid in the
3: audience in a nightclub, and
2: you well, know it's, it's not a it's theater. It's not but, so
3: much how it affects me. I think how it's how it affects the rest the of other the audience. audience. But I mean, like, puts a chill on the crowd. Like that. Yeah, yeah.
2: We're, we'll be As bad influence would. on that kid if we laugh at job. Right. Exactly.
3: But that being said, in theaters. It's usually yeah, so big and so dark that people don't notice the kids being there. How and long the, the kids and the environment makes the kids. And behave. it's
1: normally at your shows, like fourteen. Yeah, like that's the youngest usually.
3: Is like is that a rule?
2: Or no, no. So just, just That's just the average audience. That's, that's how it it's skews. That's to watch this comedy yeah.
1: central. How long or did you it you take to write? Young
3: comedy nerds. Yeah. There's young comedy nerds that that are in, um, what's the speech thing that they do? Um, you are in it, forensics or whatever. What's mm-hmm. it called? It's like, they do stand-up acts and forensics in high school all the time. You know that, right? Yeah. They do other people's yeah. acts. Oh, they just do it? Yeah. Do, do yeah, they yeah, get credit? They are monologues. I get emails all the You probably have people time. doing they're Todd like,
1: Berry all the like, time. They're like, thanks for letting me,
3: I did your forensics and I won the
1: South State Philly, whatever.
3: whatever. Do they pretend they
2: wrote it or do they just comment? No, 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 they, they, they say,
1: they, here is my presentation of Hot Pockets uh, by Jim Gaffigan.
2: Oh, uh, that would be cool to see Jim Gaffigan's Oh, so they're not stealing. They're doing a tribute or a...
3: How long did it take you to write this book? Like from How the minute you sat down? Well, I would say that I um, I uh, received offers to do a book uh, for a while. And I didn't uh, want to do, I mean, no one wants to do, a crappy book, but initially they're like, "Look, you can get a ghostwriter. You just meet with them." Yeah, that just seems like what's and the I point? I didn't want to do that. That's just like I didn't making money from the. It's just, yeah, it's, it's just I'm cheating, dicky, right? It's, yeah. And so I was all about I want to do a book that uh, even I would want to read. I yeah. don't have a lot of time, and I'm I want something that's funny. And, and I was like, so, but you know, with five kids, I was like, all right, I gotta make some money. But with the book. It, we still spent a couple times, uh, a couple, I'd say a couple of years, figuring out what the premise was because initially... Jeannie but without and were, an offer. But without an offer because we were... We, we knew people a, were interested in we, I had it. a book agent and that would kept call me. Up. Right. I had a book agent that would, you know, uh, who was through my agency that would call me up every six weeks and say, hey, you said six weeks ago that you were going to come in with an idea and... So it 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 went on this arc because I do feel as though um, my personal experience as being a father that it's been this kind of journey away from narcissism, which is you know being focused on just your needs and which is what you need for stand up and uh, being a parent. And so we we were thinking about like the narcissist guide to childhood, and then. We ended up with just... I wanted to do initially just really funny observations about all aspects of parenting because I was doing it on Twitter and it was getting a lot of retweets and favorites. <laughs> and so... um Fuck favorites. We, retweets are where it's <laughs> at. We, yeah, we did a lot of... uh
1: we, we wrote, wrote a wrote bunch Mr. of Mr. Universe. We,
3: bo- we, you know, we were done with Mr. Universe, and but we had
1: written uh, four kids material in Mr. Universe. Yeah,
3: we had written a lot of four kids. And our, our audience Universe. started changing,
1: but keeping and then adding parents. Yeah, like young parents. Who we're like, I got four kids too.
3: I got oh, three really? kids. I, mean, I got two kids. I got one kid. I know what you mean. And oh, so like, then, yeah, yeah. So
1: it was different people coming, but we weren't losing.
3: But you, you know, the, also uh, as you know, guys. it's like. I also describe it as this. It's like, when you are doing stand-up, I I, I, I want my material to have uh, an appeal to everyone in the room. Like, I don't like to do us-and-them comedy. Like, I, I want... I don't want to talk about something that only a third of the audience is going to understand. I want everyone to get it. He never so, wanted
1: to do kids stuff. So I reason. didn't want to do you kids. To right, the people when I started, kids, yeah. I mean,
3: when you started, you'd see people like, I got a wife and kids. And you are like, like, why am I into <laughs> So I would never do it on stage. I would do small, like, really strong jokes. But there was tons of material that Jeannie and I would come up with. And so, once the Twitter stuff started happening, uh, we, we'd did I wanted initially it just to be observational nothing autobiographical but we wrote probably 100 pages and and it was mostly observational stuff and we did uh, you know a, a book you know proposal and we took uh, a bunch of meetings and then you know it's we like,
1: decided what would be the bottom line to to do it, to do it because, because it's so much work and we have we don't have any time to do the book. because
3: we just gotten done with the special and, and so as I, you know when you get done with the special there's a certain like I'm not just want to go out to eat yeah, yeah.
1: and also it was and we had a new baby special, it was the first special that every special I was pregnant during every special. Yeah so the last and Mr. Universe I was like finally I'm not pregnant yeah. doing a special and then it turned out I was pregnant when we doing <laughs> the special. Yeah. so then um, I guess maybe that also kind of was like alright we need to make some money yeah, you know? yeah. So fear
3: is a great motivator it
1: was a big motivator and then because it was a real shocker and but then, I also
3: wanted to do I always I mean you, you want to do a book but to answer right? the yeah. question like, yeah. so
1: we've, we got the offer to do the book which yeah. was a little less than we wanted yeah yeah when I was pregnant, and now yeah. our baby is six months old, that we so it wasn't yeah. that long, but it, it seemed like an eternity. It's weird because I was, way, was a
3: lot. Liked, it was a lot less money than my initial offer. My initial offer, which was probably five years ago, But
1: which I didn't have an idea. Yeah, I, I didn't, didn't want to just. cash When I was reading this,
2: first of all, as far as ghostwriting, yeah. I mean, it's so obvious that you wrote this yourself. Yeah. There's no. Except where you used a semicolon, where I'm pretty sure you don't know yes. how to use a semicolon. Yeah. I felt like, yeah, totally red. Yeah. And, and also, kind It's
1: casual. Yeah, it's
2: casual. It just sounds like you're talking to
3: me. Right. Uh-huh. And there is something, I think I also had to get to the point where, um, I you know, I think I was, I wanted, you know, I secretly want to do a book that will be embraced by NPR and I'll be on The Daily Show. But I just sit there and go, all right, you know what? This is. You know, you don't get all this stuff. You know, you it's just like... Just be yourself and... Just, this is the type of book I would write. I'm, you su- know? I'm,
2: su- I'm surprised you had trouble coming up with... Or were thinking about what to write about. Because when I was reading this, I was like, oh man, this... Like, I don't know what to write about. Yeah. And I'm always like coming up with these
3: left fields. Like, you have five kids, there's your your book right there. But I didn't want, and I kind of talk about it in the form. You didn't want
1: it to be a book about I didn't
3: want it to be like, complain about your kids, and I didn't want it to be... Sappy. I love my kids. Right. And also, you know, being a father, there's tons of comedy books about parenting. Right. And Right. and And I'm not a fan of most of them. And so there is something about those books where you know it's like stand up you like if i'm going to talk about this topic i want it to be funny and uh you know authentic to my point of view and so i feel as though we could do that so but i think also i mean not a lot of people have i think the
2: amount of children the yeah. number makes it yeah. much more than like i'm a parent like yeah. a lot
3: of people are parents but, you know you're not a parent the way i'm a parent Right, and in, not that you know, a two-bedroom. Sure, hard. Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. an incredibly lazy guy. Like I said, it's, I'm not making up the fact that... Your kids are home alone. I was right never now. a baby. Uh, I was never a baby. I've only met one of your kids. It's yeah. weird? We hired them. Out. Let
1: me ask you a question. Oh, no.
3: Yeah. Oh,
2: so, lead.
1: did you find the five kids thing, like, sort of like, foreign? like, was it something that was like, I'm writing a book about how, like, I grew a tail...
2: No, no, no. Because it was still, I mean, it could have been. I think the number of kids makes, like when you're talking about corralling people, like taking them to the park. Because yeah. I'm even like that when I'm leaving a party with like yeah. two people. It's oh, like <laughs> it's just like, come on, man. what the fuck? Why is this? It's thinking three of us and yeah. we've been talking about leaving for four hours. And yeah. you're like, you're oh, one more goodbye. And I'm like, just imagine with five children oh, yeah, it's insane, who man. don't have to. Social graces that I have. No, they are.
1: So you could relate a little bit to some. Well, of it, it doesn't.
2: I mean, it was the thing where I don't necessarily go, "Oh, yeah, I have five kids." So I know what to talk about it. I could just go, "Oh, just, no, I mean, you know," just like watching a movie about someone who does something you don't do. Right. And you could right. still
3: go, "Oh, wow, I, I see what's going on." Yeah, because it's you know, like I talk about. You know, this is a, probably a bad example, but it's. You know, I have this joke about how hotel pools, and initially I was like, well, how many people swim in hotel pools? It doesn't really matter as long as you're clear in describing what it is and the, the experience. People will think it's funny. Yeah, you know? I, I don't think they have to relate. I mean, yeah. it's not like you're talking about, you know,
2: brain surgery and getting really specific. about that. They do have to really be a brain surgeon like I am. Yeah, yeah you are a brain surgeon. Oh,
3: well, you could have been. I could have been. You could have been. I
2: just did. You know, I gave a couple of years I just I was like, oh, I'm not into this man. I got so many great jokes. You're great. <laughs> you great
3: you came it up, you got too many good
2: jokes. Um the book is Dad is Fat and uh depending on when this airs, is that what they call it? Airs. Uh-huh. It's either gonna be out or you can pre order it. it. JimGaffigan.com. dot com, I'm sure it's a Kindle edition. Yes. For people who have kindles, uh, I've There's, I, I did the audio version, audio book audio version. Is it abridged Or is it the whole full? It's the full thing. Well, I oh, know. they do a bridge. I think I think it's like War and Peace. You know, it's like, oh yeah, it's like the yeah. first and last chapter. I think. <laughs> <laughs> they get uh, Sam Waterston or whatever his name is to read the first and last chapter.
3: TV Waterhouse.
2: Um, thanks, Jim Gaffigan. Thanks, Thank Jimmy Gaffigan. Todd. Thanks for coming all the way thanks to for my kitchen. Me on the Sorry, podcast. I didn't clean up. Uh, the podcast Someone already, Yeah, I think the Todd Cast joke's a little odd. <laughs> first
3: first bus. bus. First bus. You know what first bus is? No. Is,
1: is this oh, this really? embarrass me that I don't first know First bus is,
3: you know, there's... The
1: first joke you think of. The first joke you think you of is think always of the
3: first bus. It's like, look, there's always going to be the first bus that comes to a bus station. Don't take the first bus. Take the second one. Wow.
2: You've the, heard that, right? No, I never have. So the second oh, bus maybe is a, a little less crowded is what you're saying.
3: Well, it's, it's the more original, refreshing thing. It's the better bus. It's the better bus. Bye, everyone. Well, that's
2: the show. Hope you liked it. And you can follow me on Twitter at Toddberry. There's toddberrypodcast Podcast at gmail.com. There's other great podcasts produced by Feral Audio, who produce mine. Uh, they produce Chelsea Paredes, Duncan Trussell's, uh, Steve Agee lots of good podcasts. Check out feralaudio.com. You can donate to any of the podcasts and that's it. I'll see you next week. Goodbye.